if you've got to exercise a demon, if you've got to exercise something, you've got to exercise to do it. So moving your body gets this tension, works it out, moves it, molds it, irons it out, and then releases it. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. So this is welcome back to Ben Turner. Welcome to Crisis to Crushing It. Thank you very much. This is a bit of a special edition. This one, this is a five-part joint venture between Ben and myself. Um, and it's going to be good because we've got some good topics we're going to discuss. And I'm looking forward to seeing what tangents and rants we can get on. Be awesome. <laughs> oh, there'll be plenty of those, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So it's, uh, the, first, the first one you sort of mentioned is um, physical development. Where, where, should, where should we start with that one? So uh, I think, I guess the best place to start with this is we're going to be doing this five-part series. Um, we're basing it around, you, act, you, you just ask the right questions. I found that in all of our previous conversations. It turns into more of a, um, more of a therapy session for me than anything else <laughs> because you ask the right questions, I go off on tangents, and I'll sort of caveat this with this is very much, you know, the world according to Ben thus far. And it's, it's all, as much as I'm not going to tell people what to do, this is all just based on you know, my experiences. And then I'll, I invite people to, you know, to, to come along the road. And from what I've found over the past several years of doing weird and wonderful things, uh, I thought it'd be really great to do this sort of like little five part series. And we jump in to doing different aspects of what I've learned over the last few years and how anyone else can kind of adapt that in what I think is the best and most efficient manner of sort of becoming the best version of yourself, both mentally, because that's the most important thing, and physically. So we'll get started with physical development, which is the underpinning foundation of all things to do with a human being. I think if physical development for me is is the very first sort of rung in a ladder of becoming the best version of yourself. You can't become the best version of yourself if your body doesn't work. So me, physical development is the foundation of life. Here, here is where we start to move our body in the way that it's designed to move. We are, we, we are human beings that are designed for locomotion, for movement. And um, I find that if you look statistically at all the different studies and all the different stories and all the different things that you hear of people who are going through depression or going through hard times or just lacking motivation or lacking goal setting or lacking all the other weird and wonderful things that you're going to be coming into, the underpinning thing is highly likely to be a lack of physical development. So I was kind of hoping we'd start with that um, because physical fitness is, is, is where it should all begin. I agree. I mean, talking from experience with the depression part there, you nailed it there. That was, for me, the shift was moving. Mm. It didn't matter how small or how big it was, it was just moving. Yeah. It's funny, it's funny what, we, what we sort of find ourselves doing without consciously realizing we're doing them. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was listening to a, a motivational piece now on, on YouTube. And the guy was saying that uh, our life is constructed or, or man manifested from our habits. But, and for me, the underpinning one 
was that that actual being bothered and oh, first of all it was a realization that life is not the way I want it and yeah. then it, and then it was okay so what am I going to do and the first thing I needed to do was to get my change my state so and for me the way I was talking to myself was bad but the reason I was talking to myself bad was because I was overweight <clears throat> I was at low self-esteem low self-worth so mm. I figured that's what I'd focus on first was you know like the the losing weight bit which for me was all about the moving mm. which, which is mad because I've always trained as well you know I've yeah. hockey football weight, <clears throat> just, always been mm. into it but when kids come along and not just kids but you know it, uh, it it can change the can change the game. Yeah. So how do you? I mean, what's what's the sort of principle that you have followed? I know you, you you've always been a physical guy. You say, um, you know, army. You said, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and you've always been like into uh, like Ramirez and Bear grills and, <laughs> and everything else. So uh, you know, t t t t tell us a little bit about you and how you perceive physical development as a foundation for your life? So I think the, the best way that I can kind of jump into that one is, yeah, uh, I've, for the majority of time I've been a physical guy. Um, I was a short fat kid once upon a time uh, before I joined the army when I was sort of running around doing chef stuff. Um, but joining the army kind of kicked me up the ass to be running to the end of the road and sort of doing a few push-ups and kind of start start the ball rolling and get the motivation going. And I was, I was only 17, 18 years old, so it was all just a kind of, I was just absorbing what was happening and it seemed like the right thing to do. Um, it just so happened that through the seven, seven or so years I was in the army, it got to the point where actually I was going through it and I just, I just wanted more. I wanted to do something else. I wanted to do something different. I was deployed in Afghanistan. I was still running marathons around our sort of um, operating bases and stuff like that because I just, I just, there was something I wanted to do. And I got talking to this guy who was in special forces and I was like, aha, this is what I want to do. So um ended up trying for three years to join um, special forces. And although that was... Um, that was unsuccessful for, for reason, one reason or another, which we could probably dive into uh, maybe later on in this one, if not definitely in the next um, of this series. Um, there was one key like, thing. I don't really know if it was a lesson. It was just a thing that I learned. And um, I, was just, I just loved just pushing myself really, really hard. Um, and I think especially in that environment, especially, now let me kind of put it into perspective, as a soldier in the army, if you've got any soldiers that are listening to this, they'll probably agree. You get treated like a child. You go into a sort of special forces kind of environment. And I'm not saying I've served in special forces. I'm not trying to big myself up here, but I was, I was, I was definitely exposed to that environment. You get exposed to big boys rules and getting treated like an adult. And it's addictive. It's, it's something you just need because you just get treated like a normal person. To put it into perspective, we were doing um, part of the hills phase and we're just running around the hills and getting absolutely thrashed all day long. And then come the end of the day, that's us done. You go to the pub, if you want to go to the pub, you can go and have fish chips, you want to go and fish chips, sit in the river to cool your legs, do whatever you want to do as long as you are then fit and ready to go again by five o'clock the next morning. And that's the way it was. And they treated us like people. Um, and then I came back to my unit um, in, in back in the regular army 
and uh, that mindset kind of stuck with me and it kind of wasn't necessarily a feeling of being aloof or of but it, I guess the way I've tried to describe it in the past it's a it's a tempered arrogance because you just get confident um, you know you, you, you become a very confident person and then you become very adverse to just bullshitty rules um, and then I started to apply that to all the physical training that I had in the army and I didn't just th- I, I didn't think oh I'm better than other people but I just I knew I was fitter because I'd pushed myself so much harder in the courses previous that coming back to normal unit fitness of just running up a hill or doing a mile and a half run or something else was just not enough um, which is why I had to go back on that course uh, again so I needed training for it and I did a deal with my boss at the time. I, I, d- I designed an exercise for him. And then he was like, well, if you do that for me, I'll let you go. And you can have six months off, go live in Bre- the Brecon Beacons and then just train. I was like, perfect. So I did the, uh, I did this exercise and he just let me go. And then that was it. I lived in a little room, no bigger than the size of the office that I'm sat in right now. Um, with free food because it was an army camp, uh, free accommodation because I'd bodged the paperwork. <laughs> Um, and I just had a really, really good gym and the Brecon Beacons on my doorstep. And all I could do every single day was just go away, train, do whatever I wanted. Even on my rest days, I was just walking in the hills. Like I was training really hard. I was getting supremely fit. Um, and then I just, I had this moment and I still remember it, still remember it right now. I, I can put myself back in that moment. And, um, it was a, what time of year was this now? It must have been about May, I think. Um, it was like a May late afternoon or so, and I was running around the hills. I had my Bergen on, so I had a big 25-kilo rucksack on. And I was just running around the hills, and I got to the top of um, Panfao, which is a hill the other side of the Story Arms from Penivan. Um, not many folk go up there, which is quite nice, because they all go up to the Penivan horseshoe. And then you drop down to this little spur, and it kind of goes a little bit around the corner, so you can't see the road. And you're just kind of looking down towards... Um, I'm pretty sure it's the road towards like Neath. Um, so it's really, really open. And I just sort of looked around and I was like, there's no one, there was no one here. And I was like, this is awesome. And I just dropped my burger and I just sat on it. And I just sat there for five or 10 minutes because I was, I knew I was ahead of time on my watch. So I was like, I've got time. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to enjoy this moment. And, um, I just sat there and I just thought, this is brilliant. All I'm doing every single day is just pushing myself harder and harder and harder. And it was that, it, it was definitely pinpointed down to that day that I've just been become like hooked on it because, you know, it, that's developed to running ultra marathons with a 25 kilo rucksack. That's developed to doing the three peaks rope climb, the world's second longest rope climb, 16 marathons in 16 days, cycling thousand kilometers around Iceland, uh, doing the Glencoe sky race, just got harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And I still haven't found a limit yet. Right. I know that sounds maybe a little bit too overconfident, but I think with just because of the training that I've been doing and the knowledge that I've been developing and all the things that I've been learning along the way and applying to what I'm doing and using myself as this sort of biomechanical physiological experiment, then I just haven't found a limit yet. So that's kind of what I base everything on in a really roundabout way. In a typical Ben Turner, I'm going to go off on a rant thing. Um, to, to underlie it into one principle, human beings, there's a point very, 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 very early on that people will put limits on what people can do and what they can do, what each other can do. 
and you'll do it to yourself, I've done it to myself, everyone else, every single person on the face of this earth will do the same thing. And they will say, I can't do that. And then they put that, that word that becomes brackets on their, on their ability to do something. And um, I think it's just, there's just so much more you can do. Um, I haven't found a limit yet. And if I had turned around and said, I can't run 16 marathons, I can't climb a 20 foot rope, 20 foot gym rope 738 times. I can't cycle in the worst weather I've cycled in around Iceland. I can't do that. Then I would never have pushed it. But because I just changed the mindset and was like, well, yeah, I probably could do that. Let's give it a bash. Not going in saying, I'll do it. I just go in and be like, okay, give it, give it a bash. In the good old, in the good old saying of Ross Edgeley, uh, naive enough to start, stubborn enough to finish. You just kind of give it a bash. And then all of a sudden you just open your eyes to this just world of what is possible. And again, I can pin that down to another moment. Um, the Glencoe Sky Race was the first of the sort of big challenge. So I did a few ultramarathons with my, with my rucksack on. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I could just run an ultramarathon. Let's give that a go. And um, I did the Glencoe Sky Race and it absolutely wasted me. I was completely dead by the end. I've never been so exhausted. Um, I was hallucinating. I was, God knows what was going on. Um, but I finished the race and I don't know if I've told you this, the full story of the, um, of the race, but I think that just remind me for part five, because that will, that will part, that will come, that will be perfect little analogy for that. Um, but I'll tell you about the Lenko Sky Race. But essentially I got to the end of it. I was completely spent. I fell over the line. I was in tears. My, my brother was texting me going, Oh my God, you've done it. Cause he was watching me on the, on the, on the tracking thing. And I just felt unbelievably exhausted. But then there was just this feeling. I was like, right. Okay. What, what else can I do? This is ridiculous. Like, I didn't, I genuinely thought I wasn't going to do that. And I'd fell off. I was rock climbing a couple of days prior and I fell off and smashed up my ankle. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not going to help. So in a panicked couple of days of just soaking my foot in the sea to get it as cold as possible, I was just like, um, that was not a good idea. And then did the race. And they got to the end of it. It's like, right, well, you know, those gates have just been opened up. So it was just a case of what, what on earth else can, can be done? Um, so I think an underlying principle is human beings are incredibly powerful and it would be, it'd be an awful, I'm, I'm, I think I'm afraid to sort of, to die, I think, without having unlocked that full potential. That's kind of what I've, I've narrowed myself onto of just seeing what I can do because human beings, like I said before, we're designed for movement and we need to be doing that. We need to be moving. We need to be adapting to all these weird and wonderful things around the world. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, you come, you're, you're very away, um, as a person. And I just, I just wonder, like some of the audience, maybe people are maybe, you know, batch watching Netflix. So they come in from, work. Mm-hmm. I had a situation my other, the other day, I was trying to help somebody with their food. And they said, um, they'd stop buying rubbish, but on the weekend, they'd still deserve the bottle of wine. I said, mm. what? You deserve a bottle of wine? And they said, yeah. I said, why do you deserve Well, I worked. I was like, oh, well done. <laughs> you, just because you've worked all week doesn't mean you deserve yeah. something on the weekend. 
and this is how my yeah. mindset used to be when I was smashing pizzas, Chineses, Indians, yeah. on Sunday, and like 24 cans of bow because I yeah. worked hard in a week. I deserved this on the weekend. But yeah. I was going so far off from creating the life I wanted. It was almost a full UE, a full U-turn. Mm. Mm. How does... I mean, I, do, do you think it's down to your, the painting you received or the, what you was exposed to as a youngster where you can be aware enough to like push these boundaries? Or is it an, uh, something has happened where you've had like this awareness or the... The, the the time is finite. What's 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 the the thing for you? That's a good question. Um, for me, it was for me personally. It was just a case of, well, I've got to get this done, and I've got this ambition. I've got this goal that I've set, which we'll come on to in the next episode, and it's. Pretty frightening. It's big enough to, to scare me, so I know that I have to do it. I can't take it easy. So for me, that's enough motivation that I need to sort of get up and start doing stuff. But if you're that person who's binge-watching Netflix, who's drinking a bottle of wine on a Friday night, and is just kind of living for the weekends and doing nothing else um, other than working and partying on the weekends, then there's absolutely no way that you can start and completely 100% change tomorrow You've got no reason to do it. If you're just like, oh, right, well, maybe I should go for a walk tomorrow instead of sitting and watching Game of Thrones. Um, or maybe I should, you know, I, I'm going to do a marathon. And then you do Monday morning training and you do your Monday morning training and then Tuesday you stay in bed because you don't want to do it. Um, it's a very, very hard thing to start a new habit. So I think you've got to have the reasoning to do it. Um, if you, if you don't have any form of reason, and that could be anything that could be, that could be, you look in the mirror and you, you just hate what you see. Um, you're just like, ah, oh, this is not what I was expecting to be. Like I'm fat. I'm, I'm lazy. Um, I look tired. I'm spotty. You know, my skin's unhealthy. I feel unhealthy. I don't sleep well. I've had no sex. I've got no sex drive. I've, you know, I'm just not going out meeting people. I've forgotten who my friends are which is a really easy place to get to um, because it's, that's what happens when you just let go of everything. If you, if you just lose what's going on up here with what's going on from the neck down, that's what happens. You just go into a pit of your own self-misery. Um, difficult place to get out of. A difficult place to get out of. But I think you need to, you need to find something that, that says that I need to be doing this. And for me... It's just, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. I, I, I feel bad if I stop. If I don't do fitness for or training or, or something constructive that gets me moving for a week, I feel really, really bad, and I'm just like, I get itchy. I can't move. You know, I need to be moving and doing stuff. Um, do you get angry with yourself? Sorry. Do you ever get uh, angry with yourself? That's an interesting question. Um, funny enough. My girlfriend Laura, she's in the other room. I don't know if she can hear this, but uh, we started we started going to the gym recently, and um, she gets angry with herself when she can't do like you know a hang hold or something like that. If if grip just pays out or whatever, if she can't do something, she'll get angry. I used to get angry quite a lot, but then realised that just getting angry, I think, at yourself doesn't really do anything. 
but you do have this like like inner animal that that can channel for me is 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 a good way of channeling anger so to get myself psyched up to do a really really heavy lift for example i i just go into my own little weird world in my head and um i can just kind of un- unleash this animal that 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 means that Ben Turner sits down on the bench for a little while and this fucking, this crazy animal just starts ripping bars up off the ground. I just, I really, I start shaking. I just, I just, I can feel myself just, just turn evil. It's great. And that's what I need to, to get me through all these previous challenges that I've done to get through all the sort of brick walls and stuff of 16 marathons in 16 days. I've had to get angry and, you know, you start growling and all sorts of things. And we, we went for a, we went for a run across the mountains the other weekend. Uh, I have my 25 kilo rucksack on because I can't let it go. Uh, and Laura was just jogging behind and we, we, we bivvied out on the hills and had a really, really great weekend. But we had this massive stonking hill to get up. And, um, I was like, right, we're going to the top of that hill in 40 minutes. And, um, I just, just went and I just put my, put my blinkers on and you're just going away. And then, you know, it was chatting and fine and joking, whatever. And then you get to the point where you get tired. And that's when this sort of angry thing comes out to play. I'll, I love it. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I, I, I've learned a way of, of being able to sort of channel that to be productive. Um, I don't like being angry. I don't like confrontation. I don't like fighting. I don't like any of that. But if it needs to happen, like that's where I can like turn a little tap on and this thing just, just start com- starts coming out, uh, which is what I'm trying to sort of, you know, show Laura that she can kind of just control it and it can just come on and just switch on, get angry and do something. Um, I think if you get angry at yourself just because you're not moving, then A, there's probably a reason behind that. I, there's something inside that's saying, I need to be moving. It's that sort of primal side of your mind that's been like, I need to be doing something. I need to be moving. I need to be running, jumping, crawling, lifting, pushing, pulling, doing something. Um, but equally, there's an unhealthy side of that because if you're sat there just getting angry at yourself and then you don't move or you don't do anything, then you're just beating yourself up. And the last thing that somebody who's already on a fragile state needs is someone else to be beating them up. And if that someone else is themselves, then there's no escape from that, if that makes sense. So if you, if you are feeling like, Oh, I need to get up and get, get up and do something. Well, there is really, there's, there's no secret pill. There's no like red or blue pill thing. There's no secret thing that anyone can say. There's no piece of advice that you can listen to. There's no thing that you can read and then it'll just happen. It's very much a thing of if you want to do something, you, you're, or you feel you should do something rather, you've just, just got to get up and do it. And you've, you've got to build the discipline to do it. There's, there's, there's no other way. There is no other way. Um, people will claim to have the answers and this, that, and the other. It's, it's all bollocks. The only thing that's going to make you move is you. And if you feel, if you look in the mirror and you're like, hey, what I'm looking at, or if you want to, even something as little as like, if you think you're punching, if you're, if your partner is, you know, if you think you're punching with your partner, like, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a punching above your weight rather, then do something about it. You know, you, you should be, you should have the confidence thing. Oh, damn, I look good. And so does she. This is great. You know? Um, it, it's just little feelings like that, that I think people need to just act on it and do something. And it's a weird thing. It's, it's, it's Newton's third law. As soon as, as soon as you build the momentum, it's going to keep moving. But the hardest thing to do is get the car started. 
you know, and, and get it actually moving. And that, that isn't just one workout on a Monday morning. That's, that's, that's two or three weeks of Monday mornings, you know, until you get to a point where you know, momentum is building and then you'll start to feel better about yourself. I think it's, yeah. it's really important for people to remember that it's a slow process. It's entirely self-driven, but you need to have a cause that you're sort of aiming for. The cause comes in with the momentum. You have to get it moving first. It's like pushing a car. You've got to push the car onto the really, really flat surface. And then the really, really, really flat surface is what your drive is. That's what your, that's what your goal is. You've got to get it there first, you know. Otherwise, if you miss that part, if you miss getting there and you fail, then you go back to square one and then you can fall off the rails and then you end up on this like weird spiral of not really doing anything. Talking about you doing stuff, but not actually doing stuff. Yeah. I was just thinking back to some of my situations um, and I've noticed this, it starts with frustration and then it can turn into anger. Mm. But it used to be anger at self, uh, which is, like you said, it's completely negative. But at some point it shifted with the anger and initially it went into oh I'm frustrated, oh I'm angry, oh I'm pissed off with the strongbow. That was the first round. <laughs> which obviously the strongbow leads to shit food, which leads to feeling crap yeah. in the morning and it just it just goes down as a spiral like you said. But it wasn't until there was um I, I, I'm not sure at what point it was. There was a point where I shifted. And I, I still had the frustration. I still, I still get the frustration now. I still get the anger now. But instead of just sitting in it and then, like you say, smashing shit out yourself, I look at what am I angry at? Mm. And it might be a very general thing. Well, you know, like I said to you earlier on, then I, uh, part of the jigsaw has fallen into place. I'm now working on another piece of the jigsaw. And mm. this other piece is my home piece. Mm. And when I turn around and see my kids scrolling through their phone and I don't do that, freaking drives nails into me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to, I've got to now try and create a life for all of us, which is active, which is outside and try and engage them. So they want to do it. Mm. But I know it's, it's, I'm angry enough to think about things to put in place to achieve that. And I think, like you said, is you were, you were, you were, you were able to channel that anger. You you basically took ownership of it, mm. of the situation, so you could then use your energy, your anger, mm. to achieve what you wanted to achieve. And I think sometimes people miss that step, or perhaps they're not aware of it, yeah. or they've never been exposed to the, the fact that, hang on a minute, my life is completely dependent on how I react to it. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I think... I don't get how this is not taught in school. I mean, you 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 got it at a, a very young age. I didn't. I <laughs> I, ne- I never got that. Without whether that's my parenting or the people that were around me that enabled yeah. it, I don't know. I don't know. It's an odd one. But I mean, imagine how many people are out there hmm. not aware that if they take full ownership of a situation, they can change their life. I think... Um... Yeah, I think you've touched on a couple of really important points there. Questioning what you're getting, what you're getting angry at. So being, being, have, having the, having the sort of whereabouts to be able to stop and be like, what am I angry at? Okay, I'm angry at this. 
and then being able to drive that to say, oh, I'm going to do something about it. Um, and it's, I think it's interesting you say about sort of controlling your sort of angry side. For me, that, that's quite a lot to do that. Um, and I had to do an 80 mile, um, ultra marathon with a 25 kilo rucksack on it across the Brecon Beacons. And, um, I was completely done. I was really tired. <laughs> we got to the base of this hill where the, I, like I was, this was like the third race that I'd done with the same company and they let me start turning up for free because it was just, it was more of a novelty to have this weirdo with a, you know, with a pair of combat massive rucksack and a black t-shirt turn up when everyone else is in. There was literally a kid dressed there in a bin bag, you know, someone else in the running kit and I've got this, I've got enough stuff to keep me the next five days. And so it became a bit of a thing. And I was, you know, it was great. And we did the one and Brecon Beacon was a really hot day uh, a few years ago. And um, I got to the bottom of this hill, just just outside of actual Brecon Town, and then you go up um, to the sort of to, to Windy Gap, which is the cul between Cranbourg um, and Cribbin. And um, it's a bit of a long slog, and then it kind of went off trail to again go up to the summit of Cribbin and onto Penifan up Jacob's Ladder, and then down the other side. Um, it was a fairly sort of, t- and I knew the hills, like I I know that. I know Brecon Beacon so well. And so I knew what was coming. I was like, ugh. And then it got to the point where I couldn't see any more markers. And one of the bloody farmers had started taking down the markers already. Oh, no. So I, I just had this point where I was like, bastard. Mother. They, what they know is like taking down the fucking trail. I'm still here running with a stupid goddamn bag on my back. And there was just something that just got like, I just know, I just felt angry. I was just like, right. And get to the top of this hill. And then, I tightened up the straps of my Bergen. I put my head down and I just started assaulting this hill. And, um, I'm pretty sure I went past a few people. I don't remember talking to them, but went past a few people, got to the top of the of Penny fan. Penny fan's always busy and just charging straight through the middle of this hill, pushing people out of the way. And, uh, cause I was just in my own. I had the blinkers on. I didn't see people. I, I couldn't see them. I just, I was just on. And then, and then that's when I realized that. Ben Turner isn't isn't so civilized anymore. There's another side, and and then that is where this sort of rage is coming out. That I'm just so stressed at myself for maybe not training hard enough, maybe not doing enough. Really pissed off that the trail markers have gone, but I knew the hills, I knew the route, I knew where I needed to go, and I was going to get there. And I was like, if if I'm if I get back there and there's no one there, I'm going to be even more angry. And then this this wild animal just started making me run, and I was starting to run more and more and more across the ridges of these hills to get to a place called five ways and then you drop down into Brecon Town at, well sort of get towards Taliban and then along the canal um, I dropped down this hill and then I saw a check marker and I was like how are you here? <laughs> I was like um, I ran and he was like you're not last and I was like what do you mean I'm not last I, I'm carrying 25 kilos and he was like no 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 we've got three people behind you and I was like right it's on how far have we got to go? 10 miles Right. And, um, I just knew that, like, cause I wasn't last anymore. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm running around with a pair of boots on and a massive rucksack and I'm not last on this ultra marathon. This is great. And, um, I was in a bit more, but like, my feet were starting to hurt. My heels were hurting. My knees were hurting. My hips were hurting. And, um, my feet were hot, you know, when you, when you're running lots, you know, your feet just get hot, especially in boots. And, um, I was just like, right. Okay. Put my head back down got back onto the canal path and I was kind of, again, 
then had taken over. So I was, I was running, I was walking, I was running, I was walking, I was breathing out, I was tired, I was frustrated. Um, and I was like, right, run to that bridge. And I couldn't run to the bridge. I had to stop. And I was like, run to the, run to the bridge. So I ran to the bridge and I had to stop. And I just, I got really angry. I was shouting at myself, like, run to the fucking bridge. <laughs> and then I ran to the bridge and then just, just kept going. And I kept going. And I just, you know, you just, it's almost like you become a hundred percent mindful of all the pain, all the burning feet, all of the aches, and all of the distance you've got to cover. And then I just, just became an animal um, to then cross the line. And I crossed the line. I took my rucksack off. I threw it on the floor. And then uh, Adam came up to me like the, the whole thing was there. Everything, the whole shebang finish line and like the inflatable archway and stuff that you had to go through was all there. And Adam came up to me and was just like, "You're insane." And I was still like wired. So I'm just like, I need to just, just give me a minute. And uh, I just went into this field and just yelled my head off. <laughs> and you know, you finish a line and you just go, ah, and it just released this, just something. And then um, and I came back and was like, well, that was good. Next. <laughs> um, and I think it, it takes going into a really, really uncomfortable position with all this sort of anger baggage to then be able to put it into perspective and use it. So I had before, I was like, right, well, I need to be training loads and loads. And I've been letting myself down with training or I've been skimping on this or skipping that or whatever. So I was a little frustrated, which is probably why I then thought, that's probably why I'm finding this ultramarathon really hard. I shouldn't find it hard at this point. I know these hills really, really well. And all this sort of negativity was building up and then I just got angry with myself. And then all of a sudden I could put it into, through complete exhaustion and physical development, I could put it into perspective. And as soon as you can put it into perspective, you're like, right, well, I'm getting, dang- I'm getting dangerous. I'm getting um, angry because of this. Right. Let's use that anger to do something productive. I'm going to use the anger to, to, I'm going to ride on it to get to the finish line of this. And then I'm going to feel amazing at the end. And then all of that negativity that I had over the other side of the hill that was saying that I'm not training enough, that I'm not doing enough, all of a sudden gets cancelled out because I've just done this amazing thing and I feel like I've completely wasted myself on the trail. And then, you, know, you get to the point of complete exhaustion and everything feels better. All those negatives have just become a positive and you've just, you've been able to sort of control that anger and put it into something productive. And it's kind of, for me, I put it into this wild animal that I've got in my head somewhere. I know it sounds all cliche with beast mode and all that sort of thing, but it, it works. Um, I've contained it into this that comes out to play whenever I get too tired to carry on. And then this thing just comes on and cracks on for a little bit longer. And then I'm just on as a passenger. But if you are getting to the point where you are, you know, getting angry at yourself because you don't know what you're doing and you're reaching for that kind of strongbow, well, instead of reaching for that kind of strongbow, go walk outside. Go walk outside, talk to yourself, get the anger out, start shouting about it. The more angry you get, you might find that that walk will turn into a run. That run will turn into a sprint. That sprint might turn into a boxing match with a punch bag or something outside, and you're 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 unleashing this built up anger. Elliot Hall says it, doesn't he? He says if you've got um, um, you have a, a a feeling or a tightness in your deep in your belly, then you then you have to. It, it's this tension, it's this negativity, it's this something that's building up inside you. It's time now to expel it, to exercise it. That's how he says it. So if you've got if you've got to exercise a demon, if you've got to exercise something, you've got to exercise to do it. So moving your body, 
gets this tension, works it out, moves it, molds it, irons it out, and then releases it. You know, and if that turns into a sprint or a full-on grudge match with a punch bag, or or going out for a swim around the island, or 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 even I needed a bit of headspace the other day because I had this kind of tension building up. So I just took a kayak out around one of the islands, not particularly physical, but just doing that meant that I was getting my blood pressure going enough and my, my heart rate going enough. And then I had headspace and that headspace only comes from being outside. If you're sat on your sofa in your pants, reaching for the strongbow, then a, you're not physically exerting yourself and B, you're not getting outside. Being outside is a wonderful thing. There's a lot of things for you. And being able to start talking about and shouting about and getting angry behind why you're angry and exercising it. That's some, that's that, that anger inside you is something that wants to get out and have, have some walking around money and go and buy some new shoes and just go and do something. You've got to let it do that. If you just compress it in a bottle of Strongbow, or if you compress it by watching a Netflix marathon, or if you compress it by eating all the leftovers in the fridge, then it's going to build up even bigger for the next time. And it might get so big that your mind just can't handle it. And that big black dog comes around and you know you end up going into this weird pit of depression. Whereas if you get outside and you start just talking to yourself, I've gone out talking to myself on a walk to the beach. Um, and, and that's turned, that's turned into me shouting at various things and, you know, you, it gets out and then you come home and it's fine and you just relax then because you've, you've expelled all that negativity and all that built up anger and that pressure. But to do that, you need to be developing yourself physically. You need to get out and move. You need to be outside. I think they're the key things. Yeah. I think a key part of what you said there as well, Mike, is you actually allowed yourself to experience the anger. I yeah. mean, as a, as a society, we, we're told, you know, anger is bad, um, mm. which obviously undirected anger. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and when it manifests in places maybe not appropriate, again, I agree. Mm. But when we can actually be comfortable with experiencing our emotions, and I'm not going to go all yeah. in here, but like, it's these, I really believe emotions are signposts. You know, uh, yeah. to discontent, unfulfilled. I mean, you look at, I posted on LinkedIn the other day about <clears throat> um, the, the, the biggest killer of men under 43 is suicide. I'm not going to yeah. take this somewhere dark now, but what I'm getting at is, I think this is down to like, as a, as a society, not, and, and, and our, the way we see men and the things we should be doing, uh, we should be allowing ourselves to feel the anger, frustration, and using those emotions then as seeds of change. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that we can then stop tolerating and go freaking do something, you know? Because we, yeah. we, yeah. we tend to suffer and tolerate shit just to keep the norm going. And it's only, it's only <laughs> when you think, like for me, it was a case of fucking hell, I haven't got long left. I'm like, I'm halfway through my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, my my life and my kids is not as I envisaged it. You know, mm. what am I doing? I'm supposed to be creating and showing them what life is all about. And they're going to mirror yeah. my, they're going to mirror my actions. That thought you just had there, it's super important. You just said like, I'm, I'm X years old and I'm not where I thought I would be mm. at this time. And that's a really, really powerful thought. I've <laughs> thought you I'm 26 years old and, and I'm not where I envisaged I would be yet. I've still got more to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's things I need to be building on. There's stuff that I need to do upstairs, whatever. But 
having that realization, you know, you don't, you haven't got long left. You get hit by a bus tomorrow. Sorry. But if you are stuck in this normality in quotation marks of going to work, doing the nine to five, watching the clock all day, coming back, eating your dinner, watching telly, going to bed, doing it all uh, the next day, living for your weekends where you go and hang around with dumbass friends that just drag you down and don't push you up and, you know, and, and sort of push you further to do stuff that you want to do. And then you die. That's going to be a really miserable life. And how many people are trapped in that? You know, you just walk around London. How many zombies do you see getting on tube stations, getting onto tubes and tube stations? They're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And, but we can't take away from the fact that it takes a lot of balls to, to be able to go, this is not where I want to be. Mm. I've got to change it. Human beings inherently do not like change. Um, uh, Professor Steve Peters has got a um, theory of the chimp paradox. If you've heard of it, yeah. um, chimps don't like change. Chimps will chimp off, yeah, and start going and, and start throwing poo at the wall if if they see change because they don't like it. They like homeostasis. They like a sofa. They like big bag of kettle chips in your in your hand and you're watching TV in your pants and that's comfortable. So you start changing that sort of thing is going to flip out. But it's the human part of the brain in his theory that's, that's, that's instigating that change. And you have to reason with your chimp to make it happen. Um, I think turning around and going, right, tomorrow I need to you know, do this math and training program and I'm going to begin now might not be too productive because you need to be moving into it, you know, gently. Um, but it's being able to register the fact that you need to have that change and then being able to reason with yourself how you're going to do it productively. If you're around losers, find more people to get around and what's the theory of of it's the you're the average of the five or ten or however many people it is that's around you i think we've already said that in one of our previous episodes jim Rohn also includes the books that you read that includes the videos that you watch that includes the people that you talk to on video calls that includes the people that are in bed with you that includes the people who are in the same house with you people that you listen to it's not just the people who are physically around you um and if you're listening to dumbass losers on TV and on the radio or whatever, and you're talking to losers at the weekend, you're going out drinking with people who have no other ambitions to do anything else with their life other than drink. I've been around a fair few of those in my time. Then that rubs off on you. Whereas in my personal example right now, you know, we're a wonderful girlfriend who's, who's sort of joining me on all of this weird and wonderful journey stuff that I'm doing. So that's great because we just kind of feed off each other and kind of boost each other up. Um, even silly things like um, doing a bit of a restart of training and all bits and pieces. So I've just started or started last night a 36-hour fast, um, which is I had dinner last night and I'm not going to eat until breakfast tomorrow. Um, and Laura was like, I, I rolled over this morning and just I randomly said, because it's so natural to say it, I was like, oh, what should we have for breakfast? <laughs> she was like, but we're fasting. I was like, we? And she's like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to do it too. I was like, okay. have these little positive things around you. And, you know, live in a house of entrepreneurs and people who are always finding positives out of everything and, you know, things that you can adapt to and videos on YouTube, you know, motivational videos. They might sound really cliche and shite, but, you know, you go for a Les Brown speech. If you spend a little bit of time with Les Brown in the morning, you're going to have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff that you watch on TV, we don't, we don't really watch TV. Um, 
admittedly, we did binge watch Game of Thrones season eight yesterday, but we'd also just had a ridiculously hard week. Um, so it was actually quite nice to just sort of completely tick off and now we're having a really productive day doing stuff. But, um, um, kind of going through that thought process of, You've got to make the change. You've got to change people who are around you. And then you've got to change your own habits. Only you can change your own habits, but you can make your life so much easier with the people around you. Yeah. Um, if everyone else is a habitless mess, then guess what? You're going to become a habitless mess. Yeah. I think that's the key one there you said is having that structure like of a, someone that's closest to you being supportive. Yeah. I, I, I got to give my missus a due. Like she's incredible. And I'm so, I'm so glad after I did my initial mastermind because I was, it was that was about me being away. I was off mark and I, I didn't know where to turn. Yeah, I I done the, a little bit of personal work outside, but it was like, it's good, but it's it's not, it's not. I need more. Yeah, I needed a different perspective, and I got it from this other from this other place. And then once I done that, I thought. This is not going to work unless uh, I can get my wife's buy-in. Because mm. I'm seeing her every day, either, and I'm going to be trying to achieve these things. And then as she's on board, yeah. it's just going to, you know, it's it's, it's going to clash heads. And so I'm so glad I yeah. did because uh, she, I mean, she's grown massively as a person, and she's super supportive. It's, uh, yeah. I think that's a key piece of information for people there. Whether uh, it's whether it's physical, sorry, sorry, mate. Whether it's um, physical training, or whether it's your financial situation, yeah, you know, yeah, especially the person who's going to be right next to you forever. You know what I mean? Or for at least the majority of time, um, if they're not sort of you know lifting you up and pushing you on and doing what it is you need to do, not necessarily joining in unless they want to, which is great. Um, but if they're not sort of positively impacting and influencing what you're doing probably with the wrong person um because that negative person is really really poisonous if you're constantly around a negative person i've been in a relationship like that it's it's horrendous um then you end up you can naturally just see all these little goals dreams and aspirations that you have that are just disappearing off with the wind because you're not doing it because you're adapting to their habits and their habits are crap and and equally it's not that everybody should come online with you. You're also probably doing the same for your, for your missus as well. I'm doing the same for Laura. You know, it kind of ends up, you both become this sort of weird symbiotic feeding off each other relationship where it kind of, you're just this freight train of progress. Yeah. There's no negative. And, uh, you know, if there is a bit of negativity, you work through it and you do something about it. It's great. Um, but the, the underlying principle of it all is movement. So, for example, Laura, Laura sits, sits at this desk all day long, uh, studies in there uh, when she's not working. Um, there'll be days where we won't go outside. And then I tend to walk in and be like, been outside yet? <laughs> right, come on. And then we go for a walk. And we just go for a walk around the hill and around the garden and stuff. And I randomly gob off about what gardening I'm doing that day um, or whatever. And then we, you know, you know, when you go through the sort of, the talk of the day and you know how was your day and you go through all that sort of thing and if there are any stresses and you get all the stresses out and you shout about things and you moan about people and whatever and then you come back in you feel great because you've had that movement you've been outside you've been doing stuff that's why i say physical development is that underlying foundation of life because if you, you can't have any of that if you sit on a sofa all day long 
as, as much as people might be shouting at their screen now going, oh, yeah, but I do that now. It's like, really, though? Do you? If you're if you're somebody listening to this episode and you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm really happy sitting on my sofa eating pizza all day. Are you, though? Really? I mean, I'd be bold enough to say you're not. I'd be bold enough to say there's there's a bit of misery inside you that you can't address. There's a darkness inside you that you just don't understand what's going on. Human beings are designed to move. We're not designed to sit. If we were, if we were designed to sit, we wouldn't have arms. We wouldn't have legs. We wouldn't have a strong core. You know, we wouldn't have all of this stuff that we can use and abuse to do stuff. We wouldn't have fingers that are designed for climbing and grabbing and doing stuff. We wouldn't have feet that are designed purposely for running. Um, we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have adapted through evolution for locomotion for movement. Um, you know, we'd be, be like a sloth, wouldn't we? That's designed to move really, really slowly and really, really efficiently, very, very slowly, and that's it. We're not, we're not designed for that. We're not designed to sit down at this desk. Um, and even though you might have a really good job that's engaging you in doing that, I guarantee if you spend a little bit of time with yourself, then you'll start to find issues that you've got that can only be answered by actually moving. And Maybe the person who's, who's listening to this going, yeah, but I'm comfortable with my, you know, I've got this great job and I just sit and I, you know, I'll spend my weekend sat on the sofa. Great. Maybe you don't spend enough time alone with yourself to understand where the issue is or that there is actually an issue. And then, you know, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Tune back into this episode in the future when, when that comes out in the, you know, in, in, in the earthworks because if you're not spending time alone with yourself, if you're constantly surrounded by friends, family, whatever, fine. But that'll be suppressing that. That'll be suppressing this underlying issue. You can't, you can't, you just, I just don't believe you can play happy families, happy lives without physical movement. Look at kids. You put your kids in a room with a chair and leave them in there. They will be like chomping at the bit to just go run around, pretend to be a fucking dinosaur, do something. Funny enough, we haven't lost, we haven't lost that. 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the future. We haven't lost that. I don't know how old your kids are, but they are going to be moving lots, loads of energy, developing energy, moving, growing bodies, doing stuff, developing, building strength and muscle and, and, and proprioception and coordination and adaptation. All of those things will be lost if they then go to an office job at 18 years old and then stay there for the next 30 or 40 years. And then they get the gold watch when they retire and then that's it. They've, they've got broken bodies. For retirement great thanks very much we don't need that there are, i don't understand what happens in the working world when we lose that sort of, we, we lose this need and, and and requirement to be running around all the time or it just gets suppressed under something else and then has to come out at some point we are all children we just need to be running around doing stuff yeah i think you're right with what you say about suppressing definitely I think um, I think that's what what the alcohol and the shit food does, you know, which then turns into binge yeah. watching, which then turns into a habit of masking or concealing what the true problem is, because you're never giving yourself, or you're, ne- you're not asking the question to yeah. find out what's going on here, because yeah. you've always got your earplugs in, watching freaking YouTube or you know whatever you're watching, yeah, other than having. Like time outside, like you said, to just allow your thoughts to come. It's people, some people are terrified of their thoughts. 
you know what I mean? They, they can't be on there. Yeah. It's uh, who minds that that have, that have adapted through time. Einstein, um, Thomas Edison, all these people who were advocates of their lunchtime walk. Mm. You know, they have all their thought. You know, these amazing people trying to invent crazy things that are revolutionary now um, that people told them were completely insane. You know, there's a good way of having all your dreams batted down, be told you're completely insane by every other person ever. Um, and these people would go off on their walks or even showers, like long showers. That's why, that's why there's an entire industry behind waterproof notebooks um, and like shower whiteboards and stuff. Because you're having that sort of time alone to go and walk around or to get some fresh water on your face or whatever and, and, and have some movement to then have that time alone with your thoughts. And, you know, probably to start off with, it's not going to be very comfortable because you're going to have this flood of thoughts and it's all going to be quite intimidating. But at the end of the day, you know, after a while, it's then going to turn into productive reflecting on what's just happened or the work that you've just done. And then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, maybe there just needs to change here, there and, and here, maybe. Or I need to adapt this or actually, this is probably why I'm feeling so unfit or why I'm. There's, there's something that I'm kind of feeling inside that I don't quite understand. And that will come out only when you spend time alone. Only yeah. when you spend time alone. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. And then getting those thoughts down as well. If you're yeah. just buzzing around your head, you can slip into a state of overwhelm. And, 100%. And then, and then you're frozen on the spot because you're terrified of all the other thoughts that's linked with that main thought of, yeah, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough and all the other bits of shit that you've been told or in some 100%. way deceive about yourself, like, you know. 100%. Cool, man. I've enjoyed this chat. Aye. I just think, I think it's really important people, you know, if you're listening to this and being like, okay, cool, we've covered a lot of bases, but where do I start? Go outside and move. Just go for a walk. Go for a walk and talk to yourself. Alone. Go for a walk and, and just understand what's what's going on up, up in the old Grey matter, you know, break down the boundary between mind and body, and body and mind. You know, and that sounds very hippie, but there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a barrier, there's a physical barrier there, which is why people choke when they're asking a girl out to a dance or something like that, or whatever. You know, people, there's a barrier there of constriction. So the more you can sort of break that down and, and, and do something about it, and spend some time alone with yourself while you're moving, you're going to start to feel a lot better. And then once you've, once you've broken down that barrier and you can handle the flood of thoughts and things that are going to start coming, then you can start to adapt yourself to be like, okay, cool. Well, you know what? I've really wanted to do my local park run on a Saturday. It'd be really good fun. Or I've really wanted to, I don't know, take my dad out for a bike ride. Or I've really wanted to get, just do something crazy. I've really wanted to row the Thames, you know, anything. These thoughts will come and then it will be so organic because you've, you've, you've gone through that process. Instead of just thinking, this is what I think I should be doing. It's, this is what I know I should be doing. because it's, it's just come to me in my head. I really want to do that. Um, and then start moving to do it and kind of keep plugging away for at least three weeks before that habit starts. You know, it's going to take a long time. Um, but oh, you'll feel so much better for doing it. And that's, that's where you can start to get help. You need help with the physical development. Get a, get somebody who can give you a training program, not some bullshit that you can get off the internet from Virgin Fitness or whatever. 
but get somebody who knows what they're talking about to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to take you through this week by week. I've got um, one of the guys who lives at the house here. I've taken him through a training program fairly hard, but I, he, I'm telling him to outsource all of his fitness to me and just do what I tell him to do. Because then that's programmed. He doesn't even think about it. it takes away the stress. Just does the work that's required. And then we'll talk about it at the end of the week. Um, so if, if you do need help with anything, that's, I think, the best way to go. Finding somebody who can one-on-one zone into what it is you want to do uh, and then give you that sort of physical development assistance along the way. Um, and if you don't have that idea of what it is you want to do and all this sort of thing you need to be aiming for, then just keep moving until it, until it happens. It'll just happen you'll explore a different method of just just run around you know and climb a tree and walk around a garden and climb up a hill and play on some rocks you know because you'll think that's a really fun movement i want to become a power lifter you know or something ridiculous it'll it'll just come but the more you explore the more you find what it is you want to love to do that's what i think you're right i think that's the route i went when i first started on this um road of uh trying to get fit and drop weight and just break the chain of depression. Mm. Set myself, I, I was lifting for a while and I thought, I know I'll do, I'll keep motivated, I'll enter the powerlifting competition. So so I did. Um, yeah. And then as, as I got fitter, I sort of, I come across bouldering, which I'd never done. I was like, oh, nice. I'll have a go at that. And yeah. I haven't done much of it since because I, I've uh, done my ligaments in my ankle, but they're fixed now. But it's something I want to get into. It's something, when I think about it, it excites me. But I never would have come to that yes. if I hadn't taken on a pole. If <laughs> you know? Exactly. So. And you'd never have come to that had you not spent a little bit of time alone with yourself. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so there, there, there you go. There's your key points. <laughs> so I guess our next one, we'll be talking about goal setting. Um, yeah. I think that'll kind, of, that'll kind of lead on quite nicely. Um, kind of, we go, we'll, we'll, we'll keep revisiting, I think, the physical development because it'll just keep coming and going. But as a, as a good place to start, I think that's a good place to start. And then we'll run on to goal setting. And, um, I've got three steps that I use, um, to outline every single goal that I've ever done, be it world's longest rope, uh, world's second longest rope climb or 60 marathons or even just getting out of bed in the morning. There's, there's three steps. And three really, really, really simple steps. And that's what we're going to go into next time because then you can really start to take all these weird and wonderful thoughts that are kind of fairly spaced out in the ether and then narrow them down onto perfect little railings that allow you to actually achieve whatever you want to achieve. So I think that'd probably be the best thing to talk about next, what do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I sure, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be cool. We'll do it. This this little five part series is gonna be great. Um, I think it'll be it'll be really good to sort of. It's almost like we've got these thoughts of our own, and we're just trying to like put them onto these little, uh, you know, onto these little railings now that people can start to follow for themselves. I think that'll be really really good. Um, and then the the, the the videos following that will kind of feed off the previous ones and so on and so forth. So I think I think we'll be able to you know at least give a a, a good bit of uh, information sharing anyway for sure. Oh, damn right, yeah. I mean, this all comes down to whether people want change or not. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. This is free content that they can they can pursue off their own back, but if they're more interested and want to achieve it quicker, then they can do it. I mean, I know, I, I know when I get to a certain point, I will be coming to you. 
to train <laughs> with you. Uh, Absolutely, mate. I will be here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely. I just need to put some other parts of the jigsaw in place first. Hundred percent. That's what I'm here for. I, you know, absolutely. It's this is not a, this is not a sales pitch to get clients or whatever. But I think. Okay, one last rant. Going back to that sort of previous point of if you do need help physically developing and find someone to help you, then I think you need to buy into that person first. If they're just if they're just a you know fresh off the shelf factory personal trainer, well, most of them are idiots. You, know, you only need to look on the internet to figure out that most of these people are idiots. Um, you need to buy into who that person is, what their past is, what their, what their history is, you know, what was their beliefs, what was their ethos, what do they, what do they, how do they see their own physical development as well as yours, you know, and, and, and how is that going to sort of come across? Is that a person that I want in my little circle? Is that the 10th person that I want in my little circle? Is that somebody who can, I can, who I can feed off and who will, who will sort of push me forward, um, as opposed to just a random, Joe or Jane in the gym that comes round and says, do you need a personal trainer? Because they're all wasters, trust me. Um, um, but um, yeah, I think you need to buy into that person. But man, absolutely. I, I've got clients that I, that I train up to do weird and wonderful things. Great, great Himalaya Trail is one of them or various military courses or whatever. Um, it's all about that development. And once you've got yourself sorted, let's get you bouldering. Get you up to Scotland, come up climbing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be well up for that. <laughs> Absolutely. I have to get my fitness up first. There we are. That's, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> just nailed it. There so, you go. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm gonna put that on the on the on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Great, man. So, what's the what's the plan for the rest of the day, now then? I've got a productive day today. I've got emails to answer. I've got. Um, Training programs to put together. I've got to take Jamie, who lives next door, through a bit of his, um, a bit more of his mobility and kind of basically part of his program is a load of mobility, right? Um, because on a sort of off note, part of his training program is, is the mobility and flexibility is essentially ensuring that he can stay a fully mobile human being in 15 years time as opposed oh. to in six months time where his goal is, you know, um, so he to go through those. I've uh, got a few other bits and pieces to do. And just to make this 36-hour fast even harder, I'm probably going to make lemon drizzle cake as well. And then I'm going to look at it until tomorrow. And, <laughs> and then when I come in for my coffee break at 11 o'clock in the morning, halfway through my, you know, my morning's work, then I can sit and eat cake. <laughs> I like it. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So what's this 36-hour fast? What's, why so long? So it was, for anything nutrition-wise, I tend to follow a guy called Martin McDonald. And uh, I went to his, one of his tours and stuff. Basically, we were talking about, you know, you're in the heat of training and you're, you're eating what you should be eating to fuel your body and you're taking these supplements that should be helping you and all this sort of thing. At the end of the day, it's a bit of an onslaught on the digestive system. And, and every now and then you do kind of just need to do a full reset. So he's, he said that 36 hours is kind of the optimal time to fully sort of flush through the system and just make sure the body is kind of fully resetted. Anything longer and you're kind of wasting your time and anything shorter than that, you're kind of not giving yourself the full time to, quite frankly, be fully empty. Um, so he said, and he did like a, 
he's got like a story series on it that he's been going through the stints at Southfast and that sort of thing. And it kind of resets your taste buds as well. So you end up drinking tea with no sugar, for example, or you know, maybe not taking milk in your coffee or whatever, because you just kind of have this different understanding of taste. If you're constantly handing your your digestive system with really flavoursome food, uh, or strong flavours, I should say, and, you know, strong tastes, then you end up sort of dulling your sensitivity to those tastes as well. So um, on a day, you know, on a day where you're not particularly active, on a day where I've got a lot of work that I just need to get done, um, have dinner last night, you know, we had a really good dinner last night, and then go through the whole day without eating, um, just drinking loads and loads of water and becoming hydrated, and then by the time it comes back to breakfast time the next day, you're, you're, you're then fit, fighting, ready to go. And your, your sort of body is, is ready for it. You know, it kind of gets rid of the dead weight of that digested, undigested food that you're going to be carrying around. Mm. That's gone. So all the enzymes and, and sort of chemical reactions in your, in your digestive system are then going to be ready and primed and sorted to be fully utilizing the food that you're going to put in it again. Okay. Um, you like, you've got a really, really nice car you've been using i don't know tesco's petrol in it well at this point you're going to take it into the garage you're going to drain the fuel tank you're going to clean the fuel tank of all of the the horrible petrol scum and sludge that's in the bottom of every tank clean that out and then you're going to put bp ultimate in it uh with some red x um, petrol cleaner or something so you're then just putting this perfect fuel in that it's now primed to use because there's no crap that's left over uh, you know, you've got a full clean fuel line and everything and it'll just run super smooth. So that's the idea. Um, and I don't really do any f- fasting. So I thought I'd give it a bash and see what happens. So, um, Martin McDonald, you said Martin McDonald. Yeah. He's uh, give him a follow. He's a, he's, he's a definitely a straight talking kind of nutrition guy. He, everything he does is evidence based. So he calls out people who he calls gimps, uh, who aren't evidence-based and come up with this stupid stuff like Tim Noakes, who was saying, if you eat too much protein, you'll die and all that sort of thing. And it's just all, or it calls out all the bullshit uh, and replaces it with the actual studies and the really interesting science behind whether it works or doesn't work or, you know, the alternatives. It's really, really, really good stuff. And it's quite entertaining. So Cool. Okay. And there was another book. You mentioned a book before, um, Fittest Man in the World, Steve Edgley. Is that Steve Edgley? Oh, uh, Ross Edgley, yeah. Ross Edgley. Yeah, with his, he's got his World's Fittest book. World's Fittest, right, okay, okay. Um, okay, Martin McDonald, Steve Edgley, right, Ross Edgley. Um, one of the, I've got two more questions. Go for it. How much is it for him uh, for, to work with you? How much is it to work with me? Yeah. What you want to do? Um, if your goal is something physical, you've got a course or you've got a marathon or you've got, I don't know, something that you want to work up with. Um, and it entirely depends on what you need from me. So as a base, let me, let me take you through one of my, one of my example clients that I've got. She wants to run, she wants to walk the great Himalaya trail. So we need to get altitude done. We need to, you know, we need to do some training bits and pieces. Uh, and there's a lot of specific training. So what we tend to do is, um, 200 pound a month. And then that is the full weekly training programs. I won't, I won't give you a book and be like, there you go, there's your training program for six months because that's bollocks. But it'll be each week is broken down into that week's training. And let's say it runs Monday to Saturday and every Sunday is off. On that Sunday, we'll tune into a video call. 
I'll have your training program on my screen over here. You'll have it in front of you and be like, right, okay, Joel, how did you find Monday? Talk me through it. And you'll talk me through your training diary. And you'll be like, actually, yeah, you know, that session was okay. I missed that session because of this, blah, blah, blah. And then I will take all that information away and adapt your next week's training program solely based on your performance of the previous week. So it becomes a 100% kind of tailored training system that works exactly for you with your goal in line. And then having this sort of back and forth also means that A, it doesn't look like I've forgotten about you, which you can find with long, long-term long training programs online. And B, it keeps you motivated and accountable because I'm going to be sat here hounding you on a Sunday. And like, Joe, why did you miss that session on Tuesday? Talk me through it. Like, what was the, what was the mindset? What were you thinking? Have you got it down in your training diary? If not, why not? Right. Let's start again this week. We're going in again harder. It's going to start to get harder. We don't need to get left behind. Um, but it can also be tempered with your development as well. You could, you could start and be like, this is easy and we need to up it even harder. Great. Perfect. Or the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and then we'll do at the end of each training block, which tends to be around six weeks. Um, we'll do a rest week and in that rest week, we'll do something specific. So if your goal was the Great Himalaya Trail, then we'll have three days of that seven day week. We'll be doing something specific like long distance hill walking, lots of technical terrain and that sort of thing. And the remaining four days, you're off, you're eating yogurt, you're sat down, you're doing nothing, and your body is just going, ah, and resting. Okay. And then we start the training block again because it's hard work. Um, that tends to be what I go with at the moment. And I've got a, a good selection of clients. Uh, kind of following the similar, a similar sort of thing. It was different. It's a similar kind of principle-based approach. Um, and then with the interest piece, I tend to explain why the training is going the way it's going as well. So you're kind of informed as you're doing that session. You're like, all oh, right, I know why I'm doing this because this, this, and this, as opposed to, well, I've been given this program. I don't really understand why I've got to do it. I'll just do it anyway. You know, it kind of breaks that down. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Done that. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Um, and last question. Um, um, it's just gone. Ah. Oh, can you, I, you mentioned this Martin McDonald's. Yeah. Does it cover anything to do with, um, do you know when you lose weight and you get the excess skin? Yeah. Is there anybody or any studies you can point me towards to learn more about it? Because right now I'm looking down and it's not a pretty sight. That's, <laughs> That is a really, really interesting thing. I won't address it now. Let me write that on my phone. Just if, I will... if you come across anything. What I'll do, the best thing I can do is get you in on a conversation with Martin. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a little, little bit of a chat and then I'll jump in with a conversation with him and then he'll help you from there, if that makes sense. Okay. So we'll do like an introduction and then I can kind of, we can prime, prime him for what it is you're asking for. And then just kind of slot it in there. So let me, I'll add that to my list of things to do today. Um, because yes, um, basically Martin used to be, um, professional bodybuilder. So he okay. knows everything with the body 
Uh, and then he, he boldly claims that he read every single nutrition study that was ever created um, to learn everything there is to know about nutrition, which is why he's founded Martin McDonald Nutrition University, the whole qualification, the whole thing. He knows the lot. Um, so what I'll do is... I just got to add, uh, yeah, Ben, I don't want you to say it in something up. I, I'm not particularly in a position to be weighing out for something very costly at the moment. If it, No, he, he gives away information for free. That's the oh. whole idea. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, basically, his, his sales piece is the qualification, which I'm going to be doing in July. Um, uh, no, sorry, September. Um, that's his sales piece. The rest of it, he gives everything away for free. And it'll be essentially a case of an Instagram message. It'll be like, Martin, this is Joel. Joel, this is Martin. This is problem. I'm pretty sure you can help him. Um, he'll probably point you in the direction of one of the studies that he's got on his website. Everything on his website is free. Everything. Um, I'd highly recommend getting his email list because he only sends out like two or three emails every couple of months. Um, but it kind of keeps on top of the stuff that he's got from it. This guy's got some really, really interesting stuff. Um, really interesting to read. A lot of it's around sort of dieting and fat loss. Um, but he's also a straight talking kind of guy. So when you hear these weird and wonderful things online, you can, you can message him and be like, I've just, uh, I've, I've just heard this story from, I don't know, what's his name? Joe Wicks or something like that. Who's an absolute gimp. Um, like, oh, just this from Joe Wicks. And then he'll email you back and be like, that's absolute rubbish. And here's why. Attached is study A, study B, study C. Here's a bluff of all the studies. This is why it's this is this. You know, he gives you all the information. It's 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 not going to be a costly thing. This is this is free. You know, I'll just it'll just be a free introduction and, and none of that. Um, and it'll just be a case of he'll give you some good advice that you can probably go away with and, and sort of adapt. Okay, fun. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it'd be great. Brilliant. Yeah, and that's it. Sure. Thank you very much. Gleaming. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good evening or afternoon. <laughs> Hi, you too. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll, uh, we have to touch base see when we're going to hook up a second one, yeah? Definitely, yeah. I've got a bit more spare time on my hands now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's just a fresh this last couple of weeks. No worries, mate. No worries. <laughs> no worries. All right. All right I'll speak to you, Joel. Cheers, mate. Take it easy, man. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.